You're listening to The Jazz Session with Jason Crane. Since 2007, the original jazz interview podcast. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. This is episode 560 for June 9th, 2021. On today's show, pianist Suna Gunlugs. I'm recording this introduction at the Musser Gap Trailhead just outside of State College, Pennsylvania. I've been down here for several days now visiting my kids, and I've been parking out at this trailhead each night. I really like it out here. It's quiet, and it's a nice walk to take in the morning when I wake up. I got a new pair of hiking shoes, my first ever kind of purpose-built hiking footwear, hoping to make that more a part of my life now that I'm spending more time in Vermont. Not that I couldn't have made it a part of my life everywhere else I've lived, but I'm just feeling more inspired. (laughs) This show exists, and my travels exist, because people like you become members. Please become one today for $5 or $10 a month at thejazzsession.com slash join. Also, do me a favor, this one is free, and share this episode on your social media, or just share the podcast in general. It really does help. Here's a track from Suna Gunlug's album, Ancestry. Suna Gunlugs, welcome to the Jazz Session. Thank you. Happy to be here. I'm happy to have you back. I was looking in the archive to see how long it has been since the last time you were on. And its I realized, kind of embarrassedly, that it's been 11 years since the last time you were on. So, Oh my God. Yeah, a lot of life has gone by in the time since I last... Uh, since I last spoke to you. As a matter of fact, I listened to that interview just to, you know, see what we talked about back then. And at that time, you were doing uh, a Kickstarter for the album uh, Dream and a Kickstarter for the tour. And we talked about both Kickstarter and Twitter like they were 
new and exciting technology because 11 years ago <laughs> they were new and exciting yeah. technologies and <laughs> right. that makes that interview seems like it was recorded in the 1950s but um yeah i'm reaching you now actually while you're in quarantine because that's part of the the price you have to pay these days to travel and play music so uh let's start off by talking about where you just were and uh that caused you to have to go into quarantine uh-huh yeah i was um invited to come play at a festival in stockholm sweden it's the uh, stockholm uh women's international jazz festival and uh gosh you know i haven't traveled in like a year and a half and have played very few gigs so i jumped at the opportunity to go and uh, which meant that when returning to Iceland, I had to uh, go into quarantine for five days. And at the festival, you played a piano duet. Is that right? Yes, I played with uh, this German pianist, Julia Hunsmann. And uh, we've been playing together on and off since, uh, I think, 2013. I think that was when we first met. And... Uh, yeah, it's so uh, special to play with another pianist on two grand pianos. And uh, it's just always an incredible experience, like an incredible ride. Because it's, so, uh, it's so delicate, like you have to listen so intensely to what the other person is doing. And then you're not sure, was I playing this or is she playing this? Because it, you know, all <laughs> kind of gets blended. And uh, it's just really exciting to uh, to be in that uh, situation, to be reacting to someone who is playing the same, almost the same instrument I'm playing, you know. And feel free to correct me if I'm wrong about this, but it, it seems to me like it means that the two piano players have to be, uh, I guess, maybe in sync, not just in terms of your actual playing, but kind of your conception of the music as well, right? You have to be complementary players, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, complementary in some way. I mean, I think in a way, Julia and I are very different players. Uh, she goes a bit more for uh, dissonance and, uh, and, and free explorations while I'm lean more towards the uh, melodic, but I think together we uh, we complement each other nicely, you know, because we just reach this balance of uh, of both sides, basically. Are you playing each other's music when you play? Do you you know you play a tune of yours, a tune of hers, that kind of thing? How does that work? Yeah, exactly. We alternate basically in the program. Um, to just and it's all original compositions.
so uh, I'm curious about during the last year when people haven't been able to perform live, have you been finding uh, digital outlets or other ways to keep in touch with the people who like your music and get your music out there? Um, I haven't been very good at that. I've thought about it a lot, you know, um, trying to do a streaming session. I have done done a few uh, streaming concerts, and uh, it's it's really uh, kind of strange, you know, not having any audience and not getting that release between the tunes when people are applauding. It sort of gets you out of the tune you just finished and, and, and gives you a little uh, break or momentum to get ready for the next piece you're going to play. Uh, so it's it's a very different experience for, my, for actually playing for an audience. Um, I probably could have, uh, you know, done better in keeping in touch with people, but I tried recently to be at least a little more active on uh, Instagram and uh, posting little videos or snippets, like from the sound check with Julia. I did a little recording there and and uh, posted that and and such. I think if you if you make it through the pandemic and come out the other side, I think you do just fine, right? Like, <laughs> I know a lot of people were saying, you know, you have to use this time to learn new skills and do, and I just, I don't, I don't believe that at all. I think if you just, you just have to use this time to make it out the other side and then, then you can worry about everything. Else yeah. <laughs> just trying to survive. I mean, I have written some new music. I also did a lot of work on my house, you know? And so, <laughs> I mean, we've just been doing different stuff, which is, you know, it can also be good. It's a life experience that, uh, you know, will eventually come through in uh, in my music, I think. that you started doing after the last time we spoke and you've done a fair amount of is soundtrack work. Tell me about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I got approached by uh, a director here in Iceland to do uh, music to a movie that he was making and he wanted, he's really uh, a jazz fan. So he asked if I would do uh music for a quartet and I think he kind of had uh, this French movie in mind that Miles Davis did music to yeah 
And uh, I, th- I think the mouth like improvised it all, kind of, you know, with just the movie going. But yeah, so I thought there was a really a, a fun challenge to take on. Very different from, you know, of course, from writing uh, just music from your heart for whatever band you're working with. So um, it was very different and uh, in the beginning really nerve-wracking and because uh, I wasn't sure if I would be able to do it. And then it was, you know, of course, great fun to uh, to finish that project and have that experience. And then I continued doing more work for him, he, um, for TV, for little uh, documentary kind of uh, uh, shows that he was putting together. And uh, and then I got asked to do another another movie um, for a Swedish director that also wanted some uh, jazzy uh, jazzy um, music with his film, and um, so it's yeah that's it's really fun, and it's interesting because every time I'm starting the project, I feel really kind of anxious <laughs> about whether I will actually be able to deliver you know and then i saw a documentary recently about film music and they interview hans zimmer yeah and 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 he's talking about exactly that that when he gets a new project it's like this agony like wow will i will i get any ideas and i was just like oh man if he feels like that <laughs> then it's okay <laughs> <laughs> Ah, that's great. When you when you got the first commission for the first film, did did the director give you the film? I mean, what what did you have to work with when you started writing the music? Yeah, I got like a raw cut of the film with uh, I don't think uh, with any music, but just with uh, like a cue sheet saying I want music here, starting at this second, ending here. And then he would describe the mood. Like he's really like this guy is very particular about what he wants, and I like that. So I have a clear idea what he's looking for, sort of mood wise. You know, when I start writing the music, and uh, but the other guy, the Swedish director, he really had no uh, no instructions from me. It was just like, give me some music. <laughs> That actually seems a lot harder to me without... I mean, it was that's... a lot. Yeah, it was. So in that case, did you take your cues from what you saw on screen? I mean, were you were you trying to match the mood to what was hap- seemed to be happening on screen and just hope that you were close to the director's idea? Yeah, I'm just watching the movie, you know, with no music at all, which is very interesting and then you're sort of trying to yeah try to read his mind like what is he looking for here what is he trying to say with the scene and quite often i you know i got it wrong like i was not seeing it the way he wanted me to see it or wanted the uh you know the movie goer to see it you know it worked better for me just to have a, a very clear idea of what the director was looking for
A quick break from the interview to remind you about becoming a member. Listening is awesome, and I do thank you, but it makes an even bigger difference when you convert yourself from listenership to membership. For five bucks a month, you get early access to every show. You get a bonus track of the week episode every week as well. For 10 bucks a month, you get all of that plus another bonus monthly episode. So visit thejazzsession.com slash join today and become a member. Thanks. Now back to the show. Since we last spoke, you've released quite uh, quite a number of albums, and um, one th- that I particularly enjoyed was your album Ancestry, which is, I mean, just a, a stunning piece of work, and also um, brought in uh, another figure on trumpet who uh, I think really adds a ton to the proceedings. Will you talk about that album and, and who you worked with? Yeah. Um, thank you, by the way, for your... Uh... Uh, kind words. You're welcome. Um, yeah, we brought we brought in uh, Werner Pochola. He's a trumpet player from Finland, and I had heard him uh, a few years back. I mean, several years back at uh, Jazz Ahead uh, conference and festival in Germany, and just really liked his playing. So we spoke, and I got his albums and was listening to them. And then I approached him about doing a project. And uh, which he was into, and and I applied for funding, and then we didn't get any funding for it, so that project just didn't happen. And uh, then uh, I'm trying to think, is this 2018? I guess we were invited. The trio, my working trio, was invited to come to Finland and play at the uh, Tampere Jazz Happening, which is a festival in in Tampere. And I just thought, wow, hey, this is this is the opportunity to uh, to play with Werner. So I asked the director if it would be okay to involve him in the in our concert and kind of use the trip as a you know to connect and with him and, and write new music and and uh, and the director was was thrilled. Uh, I didn't know, but they were about to uh, present Werner with with an award at the festival. So it was just great timing. <laughs> and uh, so we went there to Finland a little bit early to, uh, you know, rehearse with him and uh, played at this festival. Then, went, then we went into uh, the studio just outside Helsinki. It belongs to Sibelius Academy of Music. And... Uh, and he was actually supposed to play on a few more tunes on the album, but he got sick. So, unfortunately, uh, he couldn't be with us in the studio the whole time. But um, it's been great working with him. We toured Finland last January, right before the uh, COVID restrictions hit us. And uh, 
just so nice. We had such a a, a good uh, um, like interaction in the band, and he just fits so well in with us. What was it about his playing that made you want to work with him when you first heard him? His sound is very interesting. His tone and the way he sort of uh, uh, uses the trumpet. And uh, he has a certain Nordic quality to his playing, but it's still very different from um, sort of the other known Nordic trumpet players like Matthias Eich or Arve Henriksen. It's very different from that. But there's still this uh, melodic approach, uh, just very, uh, and he, Werner is a very uh, kind person. And I think that what comes through in his playing and attracted me to him. And I think you both use space in similar ways. Uh, it's one thing I thought about when uh, I first, well, and all the subsequent times that I've listened to that record, that there's a, you're not, you're not afraid to leave space in your playing and neither is he, um, or to use, you know, he uses a lot of long tones and things like that too, um, which I think is really, I don't know. I feel like it's, I guess maybe it's more common in the, the kind of Nordic sound you're referring to, but I feel like in a lot of the music that I, that I hear because of this show, uh, the, um, that amount of space is less common, maybe because it requires a particular degree of of trust or, you know, confidence in, in that amount of silence. But, uh, it, I find that really, really effective and, and beautiful when I hear you two together. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I think, you know, when I moved from New York to Iceland, I think, uh, that space became more prominent in my music because I was in a much calmer environment and, and so also when you're in Finland, you're really close to nature. And, you know, so that's what we have in common is just like this white space around us. And uh, I think whether we're aware of it or not, that our environment has a huge effect on how we express ourselves. What is the the Icelandic jazz scene like these days? Um, can you talk about the playing environment there? Obviously, taking the pandemic out of the equation, that's <laughs> that's quite different. But when we're yeah. not all trapped inside, uh, what's it like? Yeah, um, it's uh, it's really uh, varied. Like, there's a nice uh, 
nice range of uh, styles and, and people doing different things. And uh, a lot of it is very uh, original and uh, interesting, like the younger generation experimenting with uh, like electronics, mixing that in. And, and uh, so I think there's a lot more sort of original approach than playing standards or trying to hang in the tradition. You know, also you do that when you're going through school, but it seems like everybody wants to do their own thing. And so that's that's very nice. Uh, we could certainly use more venues and more playing opportunities. And uh, and uh, I don't know, hope, hope, hopefully that is something that will... Uh, you know, happen when we get back to playing after after COVID. You know, I'm hoping that people will just be eager to come out and listen and more places will want to offer music because we've been without it for so long. And you've been working on featuring more women in performance, right? Yes. <laughs> Tell me about that. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was, um, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Iceland's first professional female uh, jazz uh, instrumentalist, and uh, the so first? when I came back to, yeah, there, <laughs> wow, there were none before me. Oh my uh-huh. god, that's a I know big it's deal. a weird title to have. Yes, <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, there are other instrumentalists, but just not in the field of jazz. You sure, know, we sure. had a lot of classical players, and you know. So I didn't really have any role models, you know, growing up, no women around me playing jazz, um, just a few vocalists. So when I came back to Iceland after living in New York for 12 years, I was really surprised to find that I was still the only one. And I'm asking around, like, wow, have, like, no women gone through the, the school that I went through here and focused on jazz? And yeah, there had been some... But at the end of their studies, they didn't enter the scene, really. They just decided to go maybe to the university and study something else and make that their profession. And uh, But, the, you know, there were a few that had finished school and decided to pursue music, but maybe not really just kind of focusing on, on other uh, genres. And... Uh, but there were a few women in school still here um, studying jazz. And I was just thinking how hard it is for them when they finish school to enter the scene that has been just male dominated, you know, forever. And, uh, and it's like this, not that, not, not that the guys mean to keep women out, but it's really hard to break into the boys club, you know, if you're not a boy. And uh, so I just wanted to, see if I could create opportunities for women to perform here and also to bring women from other countries that could inspire all of us, you know, great instrumentalists. And uh, so I started this concert series and, uh, and I was also hoping that by making it, uh, uh, making it so that each act had to have at least one woman in it, that I would inspire the uh, the guys on the scene to form projects with women so that they could take part in this. But that didn't really happen. Uh, but 
the women on the scene started creating new projects with other women on the scene. So it did spark new um, new music and new collaborations, but not quite in the way I thought it would. And uh, really, what I was surprised to see, I had not expected at all, is that the audience at these concerts were mostly women. And you, you rarely see that at a jazz concert. It's usually mostly men and some women. <laughs> but here it was totally flipped. Like women coming out to hear women play and a few men. Are you seeing a lasting effect of that? Are there more? Are you still the only one, or are there other professional uh, women in the jazz scene now? Um, there are. Yeah, there are three pianists, funny pianists like me, who are uh, decided to continue their studies in jazz. And uh, one went to Stockholm, one went to Denmark, and actually one of them went to William Patterson, where I used to study. Oh yeah. And uh, so, at least we're going to have uh, <laughs> a three, three more pianists on the scene um, when they finish their studies. And, uh, but, but the other, yeah, there, there are other uh, instrumentalists that have been, like, like I said, playing maybe in the pop scene or classical that have um, been more active on the jazz scene lately. So I'm hoping that it's, you know, encouraging women to to, to uh, go more for it. I think it, that's the thing. Like, I also saw that in New York, if you're a woman in the scene and you want to have some work, you just have to create it. You have to be a band leader and you have to just carve your space and, and elbow yourself through the, you know, the scene to to claim your space and to become a part of it. And um, so I think uh, gradually that's that's happening. I know Iceland is a small country, but it's still wild to me that you could have all the professional women jazz musicians in your car at the same time. Like that's yeah. a very that's a terrifyingly small number of people. So I I <laughs> I applaud you for trying to change that, and uh, it sounds like it's long overdue for change. Is there yeah, how is there just one jazz program at the university level in Iceland, or are there multiple places you can go to study? Um, okay, well, the school system is quite different here, so you can uh, the music schools are, are usually separate from the other, like from regular schools. So uh, it's like it's almost like after school you would go uh, 
to your lessons at a, at a different school, and you can start your music uh, lessons, you know, very young, like God, four or three years old, if you're doing the Suzuki method, and you can stay in the same music school until you graduate, like around maybe the age 20 or something. Oh, wow. So, so, and we have in recent years, or I guess about the time that I moved to Iceland, they started offering rhythmic programs in, in many of the music schools, and that is becoming more uh, widespread now that most of the schools offer some sort of rhythmic uh, focus instead of the, the regular sort of classical approach. And uh, so there's one, uh, I mean, the school that I went to that offered jazz studies is, is still around. And, um, but when you get to the, like, uh, I don't think you can get a degree in jazz studies in Iceland. I think you still have to go abroad, you know, to get your bachelor's. Wow, yeah, so that is that's quite different. I mean that that in itself seems like a a bit of a a hill to climb if what you want to do is pursue this music professionally. Yeah, but I think, you know, my opinion is that in in any field of the arts, if you want to pursue it, it's really healthy and good for you to leave Iceland, go study somewhere else and then come back because you will just have a much greater experience in a in a sort of um, in an environment that is uh, uh, a, a little bit uh, how shall we say busy and have has more people doing what you're doing. You know, you will learn a lot more than just staying here. Sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. take a moment to thank the folks who make the jazz session possible, starting with the members who support it and also the Respect Sextet at respectsextet.com for the theme music and Dave Rabel for the logo. Chuck Ingersoll is the voice of the intro. You can hire him at hearchucknow.com. Follow the jazz session on Twitter at jazzsesh, J-A-Z-Z-S-E-S-H, and on Instagram at the jazz session. Take a second right now to rate and review the jazz session on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you'd like to keep up to date on my podcast projects, my poetry, my travels, and more, subscribe to my newsletter. Just go to thejazzsession.com and click on the newsletter link. Now, back to the episode.
so tell me about uh, what else you're working on, what you have coming up, what projects you're you're working on or thinking about. I have uh, it's it's weird with the planning of concerts and everything because last summer I was supposed to have a, a tour in the U.S. and uh, I got my uh, work permit <laughs> and it was approved in the beginning of the year, but then the embassy closed, so I couldn't quite finish the process until I think January this year, but it's still dated to last year. Oh, wow. Like they date it back. Like, my work permit is good from, like, you know, June 2020, but, of course, I couldn't travel. <laughs> yeah. So, and then all the gigs that were supposed to take place then, we thought they would happen this summer, but it's still uh, too early, really, to uh, to tour in their way. And I think a lot of the festivals I was going to play are just going to feature local people. So most of those gigs are being pushed till next year. So my summer 2022 is uh, <laughs> quite busy, and uh, and and I have like a, a couple of projects in September this year. Um, going to uh, Holland to uh, work with Martin Ornstein and Tony Overwater, but then I have a gap kind of where nothing's really booked because I think everybody's trying to catch up with all the all the bookings they had to cancel and and. And rebook and uh, so I'm just focusing on uh, writing new music I'm hoping to record the trio and even record uh, two trio albums and uh, and of course record in Amsterdam with uh, Martin and Tony and Julia and I have some more gigs coming up this year and uh, so just trying to find more opportunities for that and uh, do you keep, and Yulia keep, keep have any going, plans to you know? release a record together? No, not at the moment. Um, she's on ECM. So I think uh, the only way that's going to happen, that is if, uh, if Manfred decides that he wants to. <laughs> this has been the case for most people I've talked to during the pandemic. I'm assuming it's the case for you that this is probably the longest time in your professional life that you've gone without a regular performance schedule, I'm imagining, right? Yeah, totally. And have you been, have you found that it's easier, harder to keep yourself like focus on practicing and, and composing and things like that when you don't have a regular performance schedule? Um, I think overall it's been harder. I have uh, had gone through periods where I just feel like, oh, this is nice. I can just sort of work on things that I wouldn't be working on because I would be too busy preparing for something. But then uh, because it's going on for so long, it just gets to be kind of um, tiring. And I feel sometimes that I lack motivation and inspiration to uh, move on, you know, to continue because there's nothing ahead. You don't know when everything is going to start again. So I've definitely gone through periods where I just feel very unmotivated. and uh, But now, you know, I mean, going to uh, Sweden this weekend to play was just great. And then that got me practicing again and, uh, and knowing that I'm going to Holland in, in the fall. It's just really, it's really exciting, you know, <laughs> like 
finally, yes, we're gonna <laughs> like we have projects happening, and yeah, it's so exciting. <laughs> is the project in Holland uh, is that your own music or a combination of you and the other performers? It's a combination, so we're all contributing music. And when do you think we might hear the results of that? Um, I'm assuming probably fairly quickly after, because uh, we're just uh, we're not doing it for a, a label. We're doing it ourselves, so we can just decide when we're going to release it and how. We haven't discussed if we're going to make CDs, or if we're going to make vinyl, or, or what we're going to do with it. Uh, it seems like people don't really... Uh, buy cds like they used to but i guess still some people do so maybe yeah i see a lot of like the um (laughs) the vinyl digital combination these days seems to be pretty popular um you know so yeah yeah a lot of people will buy the vinyl version and it comes with a download and then other folks will just buy the download that seems to be pretty popular these days although who knows cassettes are also coming back now so you could always release it on cassette yeah (laughs) Talk about a format I did not expect to return. But uh, yeah, I who knows? So I, I suggest that you release it only on cassette and then see how many copies you can move. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that um, you have been involved with a, a Europe-wide jazz network. Can you tell me about that? Yes, it's uh, a network that has... Uh, existed for quite some time and uh, started as uh, just a Europe Jazz Network with a few European countries being members and trying to sort of network and and, and facilitate uh, jazz in general or jazz concerts and it's a network mostly of promoters or concert promoters, also some national organizations and uh, when I became the director of the Reykjavik Jazz Festival I got involved because the festival was a member and I just found it really great and inspiring to meet people from these other countries that are working in this field, uh, mostly because they're very passionate about it. And uh, so even after I left the the Reykjavik Jazz Festival, uh, I became a member through uh, my concert series. And uh, it's really... uh, just wonderful work and so important i think in today's world connect with people in other countries and across borders because we're all really looking for the same we're looking for more opportunities to uh, hear great music to uh, perform and uh, to to have the opportunities to play with other people and the scene, I think, has changed a lot from a few years back where most of the great players were coming out of New York and there were, like, stars of the jazz scene, you know, Herbie Hancock and Miles Davis. And and today, it seems like there are great players everywhere in the world and everybody maybe has something uh, unique to contribute because uh, maybe the music scene is slightly different in their country. It's influenced by their tradition, maybe the, the choice of instruments that are you know popular in their country. And so you have like just this uh, huge number of people that really deserve wider recognition because they're doing great stuff. And uh, 
so I think that's been a really uh, uh, a great experience to get to know all of this because I think when I was in New York, I was just so focused on being in New York and what was happening in New York. I wasn't really aware of uh, just really great stuff happening in other countries also. Yeah, and certainly as a as an American who um, has spent my entire life in this music in the United States, I know that, like, for example, when I started this show, I lived in Rochester, New York, and around the same time that I started this show, the Rochester Jazz Festival started, where I know you have played, and they, um, at least in the early years, I, I haven't lived there in a long time, but at least in the early years, they had, like, a, a Nordic jazz series, and... That was my first exposure to many musicians that I had never heard of, and I hadn't, uh, I hadn't not heard of them because they weren't well known. They just weren't well known here, and so you know any vehicle that exists to kind of broaden my horizons, I I really appreciate because it's so you know it, jazz is barely covered as a music period, and then. <laughs> yeah. You know, jazz, even like in American jazz magazines and things like that, um, you know, it's still the focus is definitely still on musicians who are making their careers here in the United States. And there's so much music going on so many other places that we just never get a chance to hear about unless you search it out. And it can be almost right. impossible to even know what to look for. Like it's, you know. Right. So, yeah, I, yeah, I definitely. Where do you look and what do you? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I definitely appreciate uh, you know, anything that helps bring more artists to my attention because it, it's so easy just to not ever know that they exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Well, I definitely appreciate the work you're doing. I also really appreciate that you uh, were on the show. Uh, my guest, Suna Gunlug, she is a pianist, and we learned earlier today, w- held the title for far too long as being the only professional woman jazz musician in Iceland. Uh, let's hope that you have a lot uh, a lot of colleagues very soon, and I thank you very much for taking the time to come back on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks to this week's guest, Suna Gunlugs. If you value what you just heard, become a member for five or ten bucks a month at thejazzsession.com slash join, and then come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session. Everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.